Welcome to Listen by Jean Ginsberg. This audio experience and podcast is all about social media, digital marketing, entrepreneurship, and interviews with top entrepreneurs in the digital and social space. I'm your host, Jean Ginsberg, digital marketing expert, number one best-selling author, and award-winning entrepreneur. I will be sharing with you strategies, tips, and tactics on how to grow your business and your social media following. Thanks for listening. Hey there, Jean Ginsburg here. How's everyone doing? I have a very special guest, Jessica Fialkovich from Trans World Business Advisors. How's it going, Jessica? It's going great, Jean. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, I'm very excited. So uh, we connected with Jessica through a CEO dinner, but we also were both, our companies were both on the Fast 50, the Denver Business Journal Fast 50 list. So um, I thought this would be a great opportunity to learn a little bit more about your business, uh, what you do, and share that with my community. So do you want to sh- uh, talk a little bit about what Transworld Business Advisors does? Sure. Well, and first, first of all, congratulations on the Fast 50 list as well, Jean. So yes, thank you so big much. honor. Yes, yeah. yes. congratulations so- to your company as well. Thank you. Um, So Transworld Business Advisors is a business brokerage firm. Um, And basically what that means is that we're basically real estate agents for business owners. So we help people buy and sell small to medium-sized businesses. And specifically, our office is focused in the Rocky Mountain region. So Wyoming, Colorado, New Mexico are our prime areas. We're headquartered in Denver. Um, But yeah, that's kind of the short answer. We help people buy and sell businesses. Uh, wow, that's very exciting. I don't think I've ever really met anybody who helps um, businesses to sell their own business. <laughs> are you, are you, would you say you're a broker or um, do you work directly with companies and or how does, I guess, how does the transaction work typically? Yeah, yeah. So we are the broker in the transaction. So typically we would represent someone selling their business. So they would hire us and we're what you call a full service brokerage. So we help in preparation services, getting your business ready to sell, um, valuation services, determining what the asking price should be. And then we do the full service of taking it to market, finding and qualifying buyers, uh, navigating this phase called due diligence, which is like an inspection period on steroids. Um, and then obviously negotiation, the t- negotiating the terms of the deal um, and getting the deal done, getting it to the finish line. That's our biggest job, obviously, is, yeah, we need to find a buyer, but we also need to make sure it closes and gets to the finish line as well. Sure. And what kind of companies do you typically work with? Yeah, we work with a little bit of everything. So we have about 20 brokers on our team and every broker specializes in two to three different industries. Um, But in general, like our office does a lot of businesses that are, um, you know, prevalent in the Rocky Mountain region. So we do a lot of B2B service companies. Um, we also sell a lot of companies in the constructions and the trade industries. So everything from general contracting to HVAC to roofing, things like that. Um, you know, and we do a lot of restaurant and retail. So the majority of businesses in the U.S., especially small businesses, are still restaurant and retail. So that accounts for about 25% of our transactions every year. And do, would you say there's a certain size of the businesses that you work with um, or is it just all over the place? Yeah, no, it's a great question. So our industry is actually how we niche down is based on size of businesses. So it's a great question. So our company works with businesses that do up to about 20 million in revenue, give or take on the industry. Um, but our average client does about 2 million in revenue. So we truly work with the small business owners. I mean, the smallest companies we've sold have had as little as 
you know, $15,000 in revenue all the way up to, you know, 30 million in revenue. So a little bit all over the board, but still really in that niche treat small business environment. So what kind of business, uh, what kind of businesses typically like would want to sell if they're only at $15,000 in revenue? It seems kind of, does that seem kind of low or how does that work? Yeah. I mean, it is low, but I I think if you look at it, there's a lot of people that want to pursue entrepreneurship and not everybody, um, you know, it's not right for everybody. And it's a good thing that we're not all entrepreneurs in this world. Otherwise it would be pretty crazy. Um, but you know, some people get into business and they start companies and they're like, yeah, this isn't, um, this isn't for me. So those, those would be like your startup companies that they had an idea. They might've pursued some IP or something like that. Um, and they just got into it and they're like, you know, this is not the right thing for me or it's not the right opportunity. Um, so we call those asset sales where a buyer is just buying the assets of the startup company and it, and it works the same way too on some of our smaller transaction and transactions. You might get into a business and it's not for you or it's not working out. Um, and the revenue starts declining, maybe not all the way to 15,000, but there's so an avenue to sell those businesses too, which is good. I, I, I always tell people, you know, a business is always worth something. It's just the tricky part is determining what the business is worth and then going to find the buyer that's willing to pay that. Gotcha. So question about that, then I'm learning myself because I'm, I'm not really familiar with this industry. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot of times I see businesses just close their doors, like, you know, things aren't working out or things are, maybe their revenue is, and you know, it's too low, or maybe they have, you know, very high expenses compared to their revenue. So, you know, what, what would be your recommendation? Like, is there, is there ever, ever a recommendation would you ever recommend that a business close their doors and not try to sell it? Or do you think that there's always value in selling any business, no matter, you know, even if things are upside down? Yeah, I think there's always value in at least trying. Um, I won't lie that every business will not sell. Like there'll be a, there'll be a big chunk of businesses that try to sell that are unable to, but I do think it's worthwhile to at least try and sell your business if you have time, especially if you have hard assets like equipment or say you own a restaurant and you have like this beautiful build out that you've invested time and money into. There's actually a lot of buyers out there that will buy restaurants just for the build out and location and then they'll change it to their own concept. Um, same thing in like a B2B service company, you might have a book of business or even a customer list that is worth something to a competitor or somebody trying to get into the industry. It's at least worth trying to sell. Um, the key is how much time do you have? So a typical transaction will take it on average eight and a half months. That's the industry average across all businesses. I'd say you need to give yourself at least six months to try in those situations. It's better if you have the eight to 12 months. Um, but that would be the only time where if someone's like, Hey, I only have 30 days. I have to vacate my space. My advice to them then would probably be like, it's probably not going to sell. It's going to be really hard to get that transaction done time and closing would be a better option. Okay. That's, that's interesting because yeah, I do see that sometimes where businesses just close their doors and I'm like, but there's probably some value in that business that you're trying to sell. But yeah, it's probably just a timing thing. You know, I mean, you get to the point where you're only have 30 days left and you can only keep the lights on for 30 more days. And yeah, that's probably not, not the best planning maybe. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Yep. And it's always worth, worthwhile. Like I said, trying, and you can always put your business on the market when businesses are sold, um, they're marketed in a confidential manner. So I always use the example, like if we would list a business for sale, we would never say, Hey, Starbucks on sixth and sphere is for sale. We would say, 
a coffee shop in Denver is for sale. And then we would vet buyers before we disclose the location. Sure. So if, if you're in a business and, and you're getting into trouble or you're thinking you might want out, you can always list the business for sale. Listing it for sale doesn't mean you have to sell it. You can still decline any offer that a broker or anybody brings to you. So uh, just uh, switching gears a little bit here, but also um, uh, in the same vein. So what would you say is the biggest challenge in your industry now? Um, it challenge that we're facing or that like our clients are facing? I guess both either. <laughs> yeah, both either. I mean, one big opportunity that we've been facing for um, a very long time, I'd say probably coming up on 10 years now that could turn, uh, is going to turn into a challenge at some point is um, funds capital is really well available right now. So there's a lot of loan programs for buying a business. Um, a lot of banks lend through the SBA guarantee program. Um, which has been great. And it's funded a lot of business transactions over the last, like I said, five to 10 years. Um, but you know, the flip side of that is that that cycle usually only lasts so long, right? So we're, we're on, I'd say the plateau of the best of the best when it comes to lending and funding. And so one challenge that I'm facing for our office is we're looking for alternative lending sources and, you know, how do we get deals funded if the major banks decide that they don't want to fund as many um, business acquisitions? This podcast is brought to you by the Digital Marketing Method Monthly Group Coaching Program, your methodology for growing your business and your social media following. Join me and my group of supportive entrepreneurs and learn how you can grow your business and your social media following, where we cover topics such as Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, email marketing, and so much more. Go to dmgroup.online, dmgroup.online. Online. So is that something that you see a trend in the near future? I mean, would you say there's a, a downturn in the economy because is that a trend in terms um, of getting capital for, I mean, I guess for anything, for your business, for selling, for buying? Yep. I think, I don't know if it's necessarily an economic trend, but I, I look at lending as it always ebbs and flows, right? So when you go through a long period of, of banks, lending business loans or lending any loans, right? If there's a big volume of loans that go out, there's usually like an ebb that it comes down and it stabilizes a little bit. Um, so that's what we're preparing for in our office is not necessarily a downturn, but it's, you have to look to other sources of lending because when you become reliant on any one source, and this is if you're buying a business or funding a business or however you're looking at that, um, if you're ever relying on any one source of funding, you're also reliant that lender decides they're not going to lend anymore. So I, I do think it, it would be more of like a, a trend or something that you see ebbing and flowing over time, um, but not necessarily like an economic indicator. Gotcha. I was just curious because you're, you're on the for forefront of you know, the financial industry. So I'm always curious to be like, Hey, is, you know, do you see any trends coming? You know, yep. being in marketing, you don't always see that until people start or businesses start cutting marketing and that's usually yeah. the first thing to go. So I'm yeah. always like, how do I get ahead of that so that I can see the trends coming? Um, so speaking you know, with people like yourself who are in finance space, you know, typically see that earlier. Yeah. So yeah. Just, so just curious about that. Mm -hmm. um, great. And so, of course, you mentioned that you, your, your, your company was on the fast 50 list. So the congratulations. What uh, are some of the other recent wins that you've had with uh, your business? 
Uh, recent ones. So we, um, we're actually part of a franchise network. We're part of Transworld Business Advisors, the franchise network. Um, but our office has been the number one franchise office worldwide for the last four years. Um, so that's been a big win for us out of about 250 offices to be number one um, for four years in a row. It's been pretty awesome. We are also, we're on the Inc. 5000 list, uh, which kind of triggered that fast 50. So that's, that's really exciting too. Um, and then personally, I was, I was, uh, nominated for the 40 under 40 uh, last year with the Denver Business Journal. So that was great because I wanted to get that 40 under 40 out of the way before I turned 40. (laughs) Yeah, but some great wins. Our team has been growing and we've added some amazing dynamic people um, to our organization that I really am just so blessed every day to come to work with. That's fantastic. Well, congratulations on all of those things. Inc. 5000, that's that's fantastic. I mean, all of those wins are amazing, you know, in addition to, of course, uh, the, the Denver um, Fast 50 list. So, uh, so what's new on the horizon for the business? What are what's new in store for 2020? Yeah, we're really excited for 2020. We have a few things that we're launching um, that we're super excited about. Um, the first is a preparation to sell your business course. So it's called Prep to Sell, and it helps business owners get prepared to sell their business uh, about a year to two years out. So if you're thinking about selling your business and you're not sure, you know, how do I eliminate deal killers or how do I increase the value of my business and ensure it'll sell Um, this course addresses that. So that launches in January, 2020. We're super excited about that. Um, And we also, um, we've done some buyer services in the past, but we've never had a dedicated division or service team to that. And we are launching a buyer service team in January, 2020, which is pretty innovative for our industry. Most of our industry is focused on the sell side. Um, And we want to go out and educate buyers and teach them how they can acquire a business either for the first time, or if they already own a business, buy another business to grow through acquisition. Um, so that buyer services division also launches in January of this year. Wow. Well, that's fantastic. So lots of new initiatives sounds like. Yeah. Um, that's great. So as someone who is a, uh, uh, social media buff and uses social media quite a bit, how are you um, using social media in your business? Um, is that something that's pretty prevalent or is that still kind of, do you feel like there's still a lot of growth and opportunity for social media in your industry and in your business? Oh, there's tons of growth um, for social media in our business. I mean, our business is still a little old school um, and most of our clients tend to be of the older demographics. So we rely very heavily on LinkedIn um, and and Facebook as well. We don't do a ton on Instagram or TikTok or anything like that yet. Um, We also launched last year, we launched a podcast called The Deal Board. Um, So we do weekly episodes kind of behind the scenes of the deal, um, everything buying and selling. And I co-host that with um, Transworld's CEO globally, um, Andy Cagnetta. So we've been using that too and pushing that out through our social media channels. That's been very helpful, but there's still so much room to grow. I mean, we've talked about everything from, um, you know, TV shows to, you know, just videos, educational stuff. Um, I just think there's a lot of opportunity there, not just for my company, but for our whole industry to educate business owners. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you know, with this course that you're coming out, you're you're if you're trying to educate people about or business owners about how to sell their business, you know, so that we can they probably can get ahead of it a little bit more instead of just like coming to you and being like, oh, I have 30 days left, you know, I need to sell my business. So yeah. I think that's yep. fantastic that you guys are looking to educate the um, business owners out there. So uh, yeah, sounds like there's a lot of opportunity for social media and yep. um, and content out there. So that's uh, that's good. I like hearing that because you know. Always new things that can be done for you know for these kinds of industries. So it's fantastic. 
Um, and then going back to your business, you know, one of the questions I'd like to ask is, um, what is one tool that you, that you use that's critical in your business, you know, for you, for your, you know, for your immediate team, or, you know, maybe for your global team that you guys have as part of the franchise? Is there one tool that you use that is like critical for you? Yeah, we actually, we have a custom built CRM system mm -hmm. that also acts as a, almost like an MLS for businesses. Um, so that's like our go-to tool where we can log all information about the businesses that we're selling. Um, and then we can also that post directly to our website and through all of our for sale channels. So that's super critical. Um, you know, custom built, like I said, um, because of all the different fields and things that like that, that we use. Um, but we also like, it is a general tool. Um, we use Slack, which I know is very popular with a lot of organizations, but in our office, there's a lot of conversations going back and forth and Slack's been the best tool that we've found that helps us communicate on a daily basis when all of us are running around in different locations, showing businesses, talking to buyers. So that's been super helpful. Yeah. The Slack has been definitely a um, a business saver for us, I would say. I mean, just with communication, you know, sending emails back and forth, it just becomes so cumbersome at times. So using a platform like Slack um, has been such an, an amazing way to you know, communicate internally with your team. Yeah. Um, awesome. And then um, the other question that I typically ask is, so what is your prediction for the industry? And that could be anything in your industry, it could be anything related to, I don't know, AI or self-driving cars or, you know, I mean, you can speak, of course, about your industry, but what, what, what do you think is, you know, are we going to be seeing in the next five to 10 years as a prediction in the yeah. industry? So one thing I talk a lot about is the uh, baby boomer demographic. So um, most small businesses are owned by baby boomers. So if you look at our economy of a whole, as a whole, about 90% of all the businesses in the U.S. are small businesses. Um, and that there's a lot of different definitions there, but let's just go with like, you know, they generate, they have less than, I think 500 employees is how the SBA defines it, which is still a pretty big business in my mind, but you know, 90% of the economy is um, run by small businesses and over 50%, some studies say up to 60% of those small businesses are owned by the baby boomer generation. Um, so it's going to create some really interesting moves in the next five to 10 years because all of those baby boomers in the next five to 10 years will be exiting their business. Meaning they'll either sell it or they'll close it. Um, and the other interesting, interesting trend is that their children, the millennials, are not as entrepreneurial as them. So a lot of their children don't want to take over as a second generation owner which has happened in the past to kind of ease that transition. So what I think will happen is there's going to be one, a ton of opportunities to buy businesses. So if you are a small business owner and you're thinking about growing through acquisition, there's going to be a ton of amazing deals. I mean, we're already seeing them now. Um, our, um, our sales from that demographic have doubled, um, in the last couple of years. And we're seeing that on trend again for this year. So there'll be a ton of opportunity there. I also think there's going to be a lot of consolidation, right? So if you have businesses that are say in landscaping and there's five or six other landscaping businesses for sale in their market, they have the opportunity to buy all those businesses and consolidate them to a larger company. So I think you'll see a lot of consolidation going on in markets in different industries um, just because there's not going to be a lot of solo own businesses anymore just because there's a ton of opportunity to buy, but there's not as many buyers in the marketplace. Interesting. So you're saying that the, the, the new generation or I guess the millennial generation is not as um, entrepreneurial. Is it more that they're not entrepreneurial or is it they just don't want to take over, let's say, their parents' businesses? 
It's a little bit of both, right? So, I mean, the baby boomers own what we call like the bread and butter industries of our yeah. economy, like the boring stuff, yeah. but it's the I, stuff. Yeah, it's the stuff. Say, it's not the very sexy businesses like the tech companies and like the software companies and the new, you know, startups. So, yeah, I'm, I'm wondering like, it seems like the millennials are pretty entrepreneurial, but it's just like, they're like, probably like, I don't want my dad's landscaping business or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's funny. So my, my husband is the perfect example. So his father owned a business in wholesale seafood in Philadelphia. And, you know, he, he built the business as a second generation business for my husband to take over. And my husband's like, I don't want that. I'm going to do my own thing. So I think you see a lot more of that and it is, it's not sexy industries, but there's, they're tried and true industries, right? No matter, you know, what the economy, does like accountants thrive, right? Because you got to file your taxes every year. So it's stuff like that, um, that I, I don't think the millennials find as sexy right now. Um, they might, I think, grow into that in the next few years. And it'll just be interesting to see if it's timed appropriately with all these baby boomers exiting, or if there's going to be a mass of deals that flood to the market, um, with, a, a, with fewer buyers basically. Yeah, that is that is interesting. I mean, I do did realize also, but yeah, you know, we've talked. I mean, I've talked to other people about this in the past. Where yeah, a lot of these businesses are owned by baby boomers. I mean, uh, and so yeah, what happens now with them retiring or you know, passing away? I guess I mean, yeah. there's a few different ways. I guess this can all go down. But yeah, what happens to the business after that? It's going to be a very interesting trend in, in what's going to be happening. So, but yeah, I also wonder, you know, with all the new technology out there, I wonder like if some of these businesses were just become, I don't want to say kind of obsolete in a way, you know, because some, you know, the way they used to do business before, maybe like, you know, 50 years ago might not be the way that people want to, you know, do business, not just because of the new technologies out there. So that's also going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah. It's, I mean, it is a great opportunity. If you think about the millennial generation that are very tech savvy, they can bring a lot of innovation to some of these tried and true industries. And I was at a, an AI talk and it was funny because they said, you know, like a lot of service industries won't get Uberized per se, right? Like a, you're always going to have to have a plumber come fix your pipes in the house. There's never going to be like a robot that's able to do that, or at least not I in our eventually, lifetime. Yes, I yeah. do think there's going to be a robot plumber who comes to the house yeah. and fixes my toilet. Okay. Yeah. I know. No, eventually, but like, I think where what I've heard with the talks with AI, like not anytime in the near future, maybe not like in at least our working lifetime, right? It's more like this conversational AI that's going on. So there's a lot of value that these tech savvy entrepreneurs can add to some of these tried and true industries. Like even without an AI or robot plumber, there's still a lot of in innovation that could happen in the plumbing industry that's not happened. Um, and ever right absolutely so, i yeah. totally i mean there is going to be a lot of that like all of these kind of non-sexy industries like the landscaping industry the plumbing industry even like cpas i mean yes yep. you need your taxes done but then i think there's so much like you know technology now where you can just like feed all your information to a machine and like it'll spit out your taxes for you yep. without you without really you know maybe a cpa will oversee it but you don't have to have right. like a cpa pouring over books for you know hours and hours and days on end so um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of curious about how that's all going to play out in yeah. the next five to 10 years. So. It'll be an exciting time. It'll be, a, there'll be a lot to watch. <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. So, um, anything you want to add before we wrap up the interview? 
No, I, I just say, you know, thank you again for having me on the show. To all the listeners, thank you for listening. Um, and then if you anybody ever wants to get in touch with me, um, you can reach out on my website is jessicafiakovich.com. And you can find me on all the social media platforms at, at jessicafiakovich as well. Wonderful. Well, thanks again. Congratulations again on all of the wins this year and the past 50, the 5,000. So that's amazing. And thanks again for being on the show. Thanks, Gene.